Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365 focused IT security professionals. It's episode four of season four. Sam and I had a recent discussion around cloud security posture management in Microsoft Defender for Cloud. We discussed why CSPM is important to an organization in highlighting risks and misconfigurations in their cloud environment. We here are some of the things we covered. What is cloud security posture management and why is it important? What is Microsoft Defender for Cloud's approach to CSPM? What is Microsoft's cloud security benchmark? And what, what are the pricing tiers for CSPM in Microsoft Defender for Cloud? It's a really great episode, so without further delay, let's dive in. Hey Alan, how are you? Hey Sam, I'm not too bad, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Another week, another podcast episode. Yeah, it's um, it's been a very, very, very busy week with work and personal bits, so yeah, it's um, time's flying at the moment. Already at um, episode four, which is incredible. Yeah, I can't believe we've done... Well, we're going to do two episodes each at this point already. It's it's insane. Yeah, exactly. And what are we now? A fifth of the way through the season? So, I mean, it feels like we've only just started. Almost, yeah. Well, a <laughs> fifth, yeah, you're right. And it's almost, yeah, a quarter of the way through, yeah. Yeah, wow. exactly. <laughs> so, um, cloud security posture management this week, Alan. Um, yeah, a big, a bit, a, definitely a massive topic in the security space and um, definitely a topic that you know um, pretty well, I'd say. Yeah, well, you know, I did a uh, did me um, my Microsoft talk deny on it, so I thought we might as well not necessarily regurgitate, but um, it's definitely an important topic to talk about, and it's sort of, like you said, it's one of the key things that are sort of spoken about in the world at the moment. Yeah, there's some really good tooling there and some really tangible benefits. So yeah, should we get started? And um, yeah, yeah, crack through it. Yeah, sure. So um, let's let's sort of take a bird's eye view of cloud security posture management. Um, you know, what is it, and um, what, why would why would an organisation want to adopt it? Yeah. Okay. So cloud security posture management (CSPM) um, so is is a process of identifying um, risks and misconfigurations within cloud environments. So this this is mainly around it being automatically visible and um, being able to identify and potentially remediate some of those um, some of those misconfigurations and risks. Um, why is it important and why is it useful? Um, some organizations may um, not know what is in their clouds. Um, you know, might not know what's in Azure. You know, may have um, developers, IT teams building infrastructure, building services in there, um, but maybe not taking a security view of what they're deploying. Maybe it's not done by infrastructure as code. Maybe it's just you know, manually deployed. So there may be, there is a you know, high chance um, that there are misconfigurations. And without going through individual workloads within those environments and understanding what's configured, um, which will take a lot of time, you know, a couple of, you know, um, people you know, people to, to do that manually, at least, depending on your cloud environment, um, to be able to find those misconfigurations if you know what you're looking for. So a cloud security posture management solution, in effect, automates that process and goes through your cloud environments and looks for misconfigurations 
um, and provides recommendations on how to improve the security of that workload. Okay, so are there sort of two um, sort of benefits there, really, from, from what, what I heard you say? Is, is, is the first part really around discovery of your cloud resources? Are we saying that organizations, um, especially in maybe larger organizations, um, sort of, you know, maybe B2B product companies and, and, and the like that, you know, sort of build in Azure, um, do they do they have really struggle with, you know, discovery and understanding what is even in the environment before you even get to misconfigurations? Yeah, that is that is one part of it is, is you know, um, grabbing an asset list across, you know, all of your environments. Because um, you're right, you don't necessarily know how many virtual machines you might have overall or, you know, web services, things like that. Um, and yeah, then the second part being, you know, your misconfigurations um, to highlight those risks in that environment to potential attacks. You know, you may have a misconfiguration of a virtual machine with a public, you know, public IP address that's got the um, management ports open. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about some of the sort of a working scenario there. I'm just I'm just thinking you take a, let's say, a um, an organization which was you know, uh, quite quick and adopting cloud, you know, maybe they were early into Azure and, you know, they've been building ever since. Um, I can imagine with, you know, because uh, with with manual, you know, deployment of resources, um, let's just say those environments might not be documented in any sort of way, right? You know, it might just be, you know, uh, bring up a workload and then move on to the next build, build, build going forward. Um, my assumption is, is once that, from an operational perspective, once that resource is in, you know, um, those teams might move on to new projects and, you know, and, and move forward. And there could be, it might not be misconfigured when they originally, you know, um, deployed it, I suppose. Um, but as new tactics and techniques are released and, you know, more understanding or new features are, are released, you could potentially just naturally gain misconfigurations over time, uh, I assume. Yeah, you're absolutely right that, yeah, new features coming out potentially could open up new misconfigurations because it hasn't been configured. Um, or it's, it's there's like, like you said, there's, there might be legacy configuration there that needs to be updated to meet the, the new standards that are out, you know, around. I'm thinking of things like TLS levels, tiers, things like that. Yeah, I'm thinking um, about how best practice shifts over time, right? It's constantly yeah. evolving, you know, um, you know, uh, if you talk about like just in time port opening, you know, for for servers and like the way that you would utilize that, and and maybe now you would go down like a bastion route instead of having to do that, right, to get secure access to specific servers and and things like that. Just as those products evolve over time, maybe not new features like immediately dropping misconfigurations because I'm not, yeah. I haven't seen that, but just best practice moving on and changing, you know, with the time, so to speak. Um, it's like a constantly evolving problem, it feels like to me. Yeah, exactly. And you need to be able to monitor that change in best practice, like you said, then, yeah. then And CSPM can help with that because it's, you know, it's continuously updated at that point. And is it fair to say that the the, the owner of the um, security aspect of a resource might be different than the owner of the person that developed or deployed that resource? You know, is, is are we talking about, 
you know, um, different teams of people here um, in the organization. We're talking about some people just building, moving forward, and then other people sort of coming in to clean up and, and harden after the fact. Yeah, I guess it's part of that process, kind of probably talking around your, um, we did the um, DevOps um, episode where you're talking about the, the sec DevOps or the dev sec DevOps and DevSecOps side of things. <laughs> I've got to remember which way it was now. Um, you know, where those, that's now becoming a terminology to use where, you know, that code, I mean, it's necessarily code, but say infrastructure in that scenario um, being checked and things like that, where, you know, you're right at, in previous dec- well, decades, um, it may not have been checked that way. Um, it might have been, you know, build and then security come in later. And so, yeah, this is kind of taking the, sec- you know, the IT security side of things to look at the environment as it is and to understand the risks that are in that environment. Um, It may be down to the owners of the resources to maybe remediate the, um, the misconfigurations or reduce the risks within that workload um, because they know what they've built and why it's built that way kind of thing. There may be a reason for it. So they may need to, um, under uh maybe make changes to their to their solution to to remove that risk yeah definitely and i i think because it's an automated you know tool you've effectively got that constant checking haven't you you know you've got that sort of big brother effect you know um looking at those resources in near real time right so the feedback loop is is very efficient you know because you know, those teams can be alerted of those remediations um, relatively quickly. Yeah. And I guess if you don't have a, C- a CSPM today, then that initial discovery will be potentially big. You know, it might be a lot of recommendations, but once you've gone through that initial discovery, remediated and that, then your continuous, like you said, the continuous viewing of it, new resources being built, etc. Um, you'll be able to see that change in the posture instantly and you'll be able to remediate quicker because hopefully resources when they're being built aren't going to production straight away, which means you've got the time to make those changes where, you know, when you first start, you might have hundreds of thousands of resources in production that you are more difficult, you know, they're more difficult to make those changes to. Yeah, and I I think um, that first sort of scan of a, you know, you know, an environment can be quite overwhelming, you know, when it comes back, because, you know, in theory, there's a lot of security debt there that maybe people don't know about, you yeah. know, because, because they haven't, maybe they haven't had a breach or, you know, they, they haven't, you know, been through that process yet, you know, um, it might start to show you things that you, you never, even, well, resources that you never even knew existed, potentially, Um <laughs> I'm thinking like MSDN subscriptions, things like that. And then, um, you know, but also, you know, the sort of benchmark of, you know, um, a a resources posture for every single resource you've ever deployed. And um, yeah, in in some large cloud environments, there can be thousands or tens of thousands of resources, right? Which, you know, potentially have to be um, uh, reviewed uh, at that point. Yeah, and we're we're seeing, I think we've seen a couple of instances where, a development environment has been compromised and that's how they've got to production as well, haven't we? I think it's been some high 
high visible high visible ones, isn't there? So yeah, even those environments need to be monitored, at least understanding that risk in those environments. Yeah, and that that blurred line, I've seen it quite a lot. The blurred line between production and development, and especially when we talk about infrastructure. You know, I, I come from a software background where there is always a dev staging and production environment. I say always. The majority of the time, <laughs> uh, but in infrastructure, sometimes, you know, um, if you don't have two Azure ADs and you integrate with it, it might be that your de- development environment is pointing at your, you know, production AAD, right? You know, and that might just be a decision from somebody previously to not roll a new tenant, having to set that up. Maybe they're pressured on a deadline, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and because it's in like a development environment, it doesn't really, it doesn't go through change. It doesn't go through any formal process of, of that. Just it's kind of a wild west at that point, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people, um, sort of ignore development environments, like because it's not production. There's no production data there. You know, there's less risk, but actually, because there's less control, I'd sometimes argue. Actually, I would argue that there is more risk in those environments because there is less oversight and control, right? So we've we've definitely had that conversation with people where it's like, you know, is CSPM, should CSPM cover development environments? And what's the value of remediating development environments? Um, But because humans control those environments, anything could happen, right? And um, we're all inherently lazy. Well, no, we're not all inherently lazy, but a lot of people that build things are. It's their job to automate. So... You know, we just, I think it's its for the better of everybody that we've got these systems in place to nudge us in the right direction every, you know, all the time. Yeah. And I, th- I think the first stage is, is understanding what's there, like the, the discovery piece. You know, if, if we're not able to do the remediations immediately, at least, you know, like you said, that risk that's there. Exactly. Yeah. Just no- knowing yeah, just just knowing is 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 critically important. Okay, so can you talk a, a bit more about you know how do, you know uh, Microsoft Defender for Cloud approaches um, CSPM and sort of what features does it have? Yeah, sure. So there's so Microsoft Defender for Cloud has two sort of tiers, two two um, SKUs for it. You have foundational CSPM and Microsoft and Defender CSPM. Um, and the kind of um, features you get um, overall with all with both of them is um, that security misconfiguration, security mis- misconfiguration and, and weaknesses, your asset inventory, um, your secure score, so a, a posture score for for your environment, um, the ability to be able to visualize your um, your data around your environments in using the Azure workbooks. Um, you can export that data from CSPM into um, other um, data um, data visualization tooling. Um, there is some automation there using Logic Apps. So when you see some of the um, misconfigurations, you might be able to run a Logic App to send a Teams message to somebody or maybe do a PowerShell or something to, to remediate um, when it makes sense to. Um, there are some quick wins in there for, for remediation. So some tools already in there built in. Um, you gain access to the Microsoft Cloud Security Benchmark. 
that's the kind of stuff you get in the foundational. And then in Defender CSPM, you get governance, um, the use of regulatory compliance to benchmark your environment, um, the cloud security graph, attack path analysis, um, agent, agentless scanning uh, for virtual machines and and discovery in, within Kubernetes, um, container registry vulnerability management, um, data aware security posture and um, external access. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember how you say this actually. ASM uh, insights in network exposure. Um, so that's the kind of things you cover. So there's quite a lot there just for CSPM because we like we just sort of talked about asset management and weaknesses at this point. Yeah, can I sort of circle back on a a couple of those um, bits? Yeah. Um, I think f for me, um, secure score is obviously massively powerful way of representing like a sort of complex view of a world, right? Um, and sort of distilling it down to a simple number that is quite easily digestible for um, a lot of people. So we've obviously got Microsoft Secure Score. Is is Secure Score in Defender of a Cloud uh, similar to to that? Is it effectively the same controls? Is it how how does it sort of stack up against? So it's it's in effect a similar concept as the Secure Score within Microsoft three six five, um, but it's all around just the the cloud environment. So it will have some subsections within the recommendation. So it'd be like identity, data and transit, kind of things like that. Um, but in effect, um, it gives you, based on how many resources you have, um, it will give you a, uh, w with your recommendations, it will tell you how much of, um, how much you can increase your score. And it's out of 100%, like secure score is within Microsoft 365. And you can then you know, improve that by remediating some of the recommendations. Excuse me, in there. And some of those recommendations um, can be identified as risks within, you know, you can accept the risks. One part of it is that there may be some, um, so the example is uh, multi-factor authentication. So one of the recommendations is to ensure that you've got multi-factor authentication on owners within Azure. Now that's great if you're using you know, Microsoft authentication because it's able to detect that and be able to tell you that you've got it in, you know, enabled for your owners. But if you're using a third party as your um, identity provider, like Okta or Ping Identity, things like that, um, then it can't detect that you're doing MFA there. Um, you might also be using um, Duo as your MFA and integrate it into Azure. Um, without being able to see those, then it will always come up saying you you know it's a requirement or you know recommendation. So the what you can do um, with the recommendations is go in and um, tell in effect update the risk to say exclude this um, recommendation because I have a third party solution in place and remind me in a year's time to review it or a six months time. So you can decide when you want to re you know review that recommendation again because you might have changed technology at that point. You might be going through a a process of moving to Microsoft Authenticator for your MFA. So that's quite good in there that, you know, there may be something that you can't change in an in a environment because it will break your application. Maybe you need FTP instead of um, 
SFTP. Uh, maybe, you know, this, uh, as an example, you may need it so you can mitigate it against a resource or a a subscription for a period of time and then review it later. Yeah, so you can accept that risk, but then you can also put some governance around managing that risk, right, over its over some sort of time period, um, which is really powerful. Have you um, have you tried attack path analysis? Because it's it's relatively relatively new, and I think it's 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 for me it's one of the standout like features of Defender for Cloud now. Yeah, I was part of the um, private preview for it before it came out and became sort of GA with the the. CSPM going GA in March, um, but it's um, yeah, it's, it's it's really good. So it's, it identifies in effect, um, as it's kind of sounds, the attack path from th through your resources and your roles to how someone could take over a subscription or or a resource. So it's very easy to see where your your weak points are within your environment. Yeah, and I think what what's great is because you get a sort of a visual representation of that path right and the points on it in which you would maybe want to remediate and plug i think it's a really good way of um, prioritizing certain you know uh, resources and you know seeing where your best sort of bang for buck you know remediations are if if that makes sense because you know trying to work out where you should start is always quite a complicated thing with cspm right because you get a bunch of recommendations but then it's like uh, what do I do with this, uh, basically, right? So that can really help you to, you know, visually see your most maybe sensitive resources and, and and protecting them. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, when you look at those recommendations and in general your resources, there's no way you would understand that without doing some deep analysis of all the resources, understand where your weakest resources are or how someone can jump through your system because you might think it's absolutely fine. <laughs> you know, there's no reason why someone could jump between those resources. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose in a lot of organizations, I'd probably argue that a lot of those relationships between resources are not mapped or not well-documented, right? You know, like, you know, if somebody got access to this VNet, this would be like, you know, this would be their avenues to basically move throughout, you know, your resources, if if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and um, and that I think is as that mapping is done automatically for you, and then linking it back into recommendations for you is is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And just to probably talk on um the last one, which I couldn't um announce. The ASM is the the external attack surface management. So it's one of the other Microsoft defenders that are out there. So you can see what your 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 attack surface is from your 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 external side of Azure and things like that. Okay, no, that's yeah. There's there's I, I think we could definitely deep dive into all of those different features. It's kind of like Defender because this is one part of Defender for Cloud, right? And this is the yes. thing with Defender for Cloud. It's <laughs> Not really one product. It's like, what is it like, twelve products in one? Um, and CSPM then breaks down into a bunch of different products underneath that. Yeah, as well, it's, right? it's it's kind of. Um, I think it's kind of three areas now. You've got the um, you got CSPM, you've got cloud protective workloads, which is I think what you're talking about with, with all the other defenders that we've done. Yeah, are out there. 
Um, and then I think you've got your your sort of code security. So Defender for DevOps now DevOps, is being yeah. its own section now. So yeah, it's only I say a small section, but it's not. It's it's definitely feels like a third, at least a third of the the product, if not more. You're referring to CSPM, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, one hundred percent. Um, okay, so you know, uh, lots of companies are multi-cloud. Um, is CSPM supported on anything other than Azure? Yes, so it is available. So CSPM is available for AWS, GCP, and some on-premise workloads so when you're using azure arc so um microsoft well microsoft defender for cloud used to uh used to connect to the other clouds but it wasn't very um there's a lot you had to do the other side um to to configure it you had to enable and affect the security workloads in aws and gcp to get the, the data to come into defender for cloud um but last year when Microsoft announced they were going multi-cloud and they were doing some changes with um, Defender for Cloud, they made that connector really simple. So now all you do in effect is for, for AWS, you get a um, CloudFormation script. Um, and then you can just deploy that and it will create some IAM roles and then connect, allow Defender for Cloud to connect into it and, and collect the data. So you don't have to worry about configuring anything within the the other environments to be able to get the data. It will go off and read it. And same thing for with GCP. It's just a, a, cl a cloud script that you run, and it builds, it creates the roles, etc. In it. So, um, so, yeah, not all um, of those features I talked about earlier are on every on all of the clouds. Um, some of the the newer ones are Azure and AWS only. Some of them just Azure at the moment. But they are, as they come out for Azure, it seems like AWS is the next one, then GCP comes later. So they're definitely pushing hard to get those out because I think some of them came out, came GA in March, and you know, they're already on two of the clouds the, you know, for the third one to, to come. So that's the clouds that they, they cover, you know, AWS, GCP, and, and Azure, of course. Um, and like I said, some workloads are available for the, um, the on-premise environments when they're configured via your arc yeah and th there's obviously third-party cspm products that are out there which do target multi-cloud but i haven't seen a sort of I i'm not aware of a cspm product from one of the major cloud vendors that actually um supports the other the other clouds you know no. that they that they're pretty insular and you know it's so it's very interesting to see microsoft acknowledging that you know, a, a lot of organizations now are multi-cloud, you know, for various, you know, different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And they need securing. So that's kind of, you know, while CSPM is going over there and collecting, you know, the recommendations, things like that, um, it's also going to recommend, you know, having the protective workloads um, go over to them as well. You know, defend, you know, defend for server and some of the, I think it's um, Defender for SQL and Kubernetes, I think, are the ones that are going over to the other clouds at the moment. So, so yeah. Okay. So, um, in, in that list, um, you talked about um, the Microsoft Cloud Security Benchmark. Um, can you just sort of explain what that is and, and why it's important? Yeah, sure. So, we've got, so we talked about Secure Score, and that's kind of like Microsoft's recommendations, best practice scenarios. 
um, on how to you know how to secure the cloud. Um, Microsoft Cloud Security Benchmark um, is using uh, is is using some some of the regulatory compliances out there um, to build a benchmark for all for all the clouds from for all, every cloud for AWS GCP and Azure and Azure. Um, so it's a combination of the technical controls from CIS, PCI, and NIST. So the technical controls for AWS, GCP, and Azure are all within that um, benchmark. So you can see whether your cloud environment using those three um, regulatory compliances um, meets that that you know that framework or meet you know meet meet that high I say high high level framework I don't know um, quite robust security framework on you know configuration. So you can break it down into the different sort of controls and then you can see all the recommendations within those controls. So then you can bring your, so if you do need to be um, CIS compliant or um, NIST, you can use that one um, to get you to that to that level plus, you know, plus more um, because it uses some of the other ones as well. So it's it's pretty, for me, it feels like a very solid benchmark to go against. And that's included in the foundational. So you get that from the start because um, regulatory compliance side of things is from the, you know, in Defender CSPM tier. If you want to go against a, a specific um, regulatory compliance and version of that regulatory compliance. Yeah, so I suppose if you're an organization that doesn't have to or hasn't yet adopted a regulatory you know, a formal certification of a regulatory compliance framework, yeah. right? Um, then Cloud Security Benchmark is going to get you a really good, robust set of controls that should then the organization decide, okay, uh, we want to go down the CIS route, then, you know, if you've hit that benchmark, chances are, from well, from a technical perspective, your controls are highly likely to be covered um, at that point. Obviously, regulatory compliance frameworks only a subset of the controls are technical right you know yeah. um, people and processes it, it is massive uh, in there but fr from our side from the technical side you can get started straight away you know hardening your environments you don't in theory you don't need to you don't need to wait do you because found uh, because it's included in foundational there's kind of no reason not to use it at that point yeah exactly you know as soon as you enable the cspm foundational on one of your clouds or your accounts etc it will then start feeding into that um the the cloud security benchmark so you're straight away already getting that information whether you need it or not so it is really use it is really good in that in that stance that you get that in you know you know that you're you're going against um real um controls from a, from you know, regulatory compliances out there, um, without having to, um, well, it, they're just there, aren't they? It's just it's just done for you. You can just start building towards it. And like you said, if you then go for, you then decide to go for NIST or CIS or PCI, you're pretty much going to be there for you from your technical side. Yeah. So talking about other regulatory compliance, because you know, sometimes if you talk to um, somebody in the compliance space about, you know, the cloud security benchmark, 
they might not have ever heard of it, right? You know, they might be, you know, um, an ISO practitioner, etc. Um, how do like other, I'll call them quotes, real regulatory compliance frameworks actually fit into that? Yeah, so Microsoft has a as a in effect a database of those with for you know has a database of all the regulatory compliances. Um, they have a good you know database of them, and you can then apply them to your cloud environment. So you may have you can you may have a subscription that is own that you know is maybe your PCI subscription, maybe your separating advice subscription, um, maybe you got one that needs to be ISO. Um, you can you can in effect apply those regulatory compliances to those subscriptions accounts or projects within the other clouds um, to then see specifically those those compliance frameworks. So you do have things like ISO in there. You have various NIST versions as well. Same thing with ISO. There's quite a few in there. Maybe uh, maybe in the new one as well. Um, and a lot of them are also available for the other clouds. Um, there's definitely more for Azure being first party and being, you know, being probably going through that process already in Azure before they move to multi-cloud. So some of those other regulatory compliances are moving to um, CIS, not sorry, CIS to AWS and GCP. You also have some of the, um, I think AWS has a foundational benchmark as well of their own. And I think Microsoft adopt that as well. So, Yes, you can put them in there, and then you can see specifically against those regulatory compliances whether you how much you comply with it, and you can generate um, audit reports for it. So if you need to do it for auditing things like that, you can then generate it and see where you are. So that's quite handy as well for um, some of your auditing. A large part of that compliance is sort of governance and attestation. You know, verifying you know, what you say you're doing, you're actually doing. So what sort of sort of governance life cycles are, are in place in Defender for Cloud for, for managing the remediations? Yeah, so now you can, um, within the, the subscriptions, the projects, the accounts, um, you can now specify um, some governance around it, some rules, which says... Um, that you get notifications about um, new rec new new um, remediations required. So as as you know the cloud environment changes, you know maybe a new resource is created and then there's a new new recommendation for it. But maybe you're not you know what looking at it twenty four seven. You know looking at the the recommendations all the time. Maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's once every three months. Um, you're able to then automatically um, assign the recommendations to users as well as just going manually and in assigning the recommendations so that's really good now so then you can give ownership to those recommendations and give them a grace period to remediate and then they can update say i need more time because of this so there's there's more an audit trail there then about why why recommendations or risk hasn't been mitigated so yeah that's the kind of things that are in there now I mean, the great thing really is that if you're if you've got a tag within Azure that says the email address of the owner, you can then get it to automatically say if I see recommendations for a resource, automatically send it to the owner, which is this tag, and this is their email address, and then they automatically get assigned. 
So it means that any new resources coming out to get deployed and they got recommendations, they get the email straight away and then the grace period starts. And what I like about that is, and we kind of have that in like uh, DevOps and, you know, and um, sort of the interaction around Git repositories is, you know, when we have automated tooling on pull requests and we all agree what we're going to put in, right? So if we're going to put TerraScan in, we all agree that we're going to do TerraScan and then that's going to run. And, you know, if you if you um, commit some changes and then that flags, then we all blame, well, you blame yourself and you blame TerraScan, <laughs> right? For like shouting at you. And what I like about that is, is that, you know, Defender for Cloud is then just, uh, we all agree that we're going to use it and this is the way that we're going to configure it and whatever comes out of it, it's not manually assigned, is it? It's just, you know, um, I've deployed some resources in Defender for Cloud, which is, you know, a faceless tool. It's not a person inside the organization has then picked up that you need to make some changes. But also the business gets that audit trail of, you know, notified, notified Sam on the 1st of January, you know, um, ask Sam to remediate in 90 days, 180 days have passed, and it's still not remediated or even looked at. Right. And at that point, we've got an actual, we, we'd hope it wouldn't get to that point. Right. Um, but we can then start to see that the life cycle of that misconfiguration, um, which is really powerful. Yeah. And it, it, in effect, it does chase you in emails to tell you, you haven't done, you've got this amount of recommendations to do. Um, but also, I think there's a report that can be generated to see which, which ones are, you know, close to their due date and things like that or overdue so then you can yeah from a an auditing or from a that process you can then go and start chasing in person and that takes away a huge amount of manual intervention doesn't it yeah like having to set up calls with teams to talk about the remediations and you know to assign them to people and manage them and all of those things it's just defender for cloud does all of the the legwork so to speak of chasing people and all of that sort of stuff right yeah and and when a when someone gets um set as an owner of a of an action or a mediation um they can change the owner to someone else so maybe it goes to the the owner of the product that they're working on and then they can assign it to say you know maybe a product's got vms and sql and things like that and they get all of the recommendations they can then assign the you know, remediation task for SQL to the SQL devs to, to resolve because they've deployed it. So it doesn't necessarily have to always go directly to the team, individual people. It could go to a like product owner scenario from that, you know, from your perspective or area owner. Maybe it's like a resource group level, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it sounds really good and, and well thought out of that, you know, process. Uh, definitely. Um. Okay, so I suppose the big question is, is this all sounds great and all, Alan, but how much does it cost? That's a good question. So, foundational CSPM, drum roll, it's free. Do you get really all of free? That? Really free? I suppose I'm paying for the resources, aren't I? Well, so yeah, okay, but but yeah, to add it on top. It is included in your current usage of the the cloud environments. But yeah, okay. But it's okay. So, but it is completely free. 
And did you say it's turned for Azure, it's on by default? Yes. I mean, you when you go into Defender for Cloud, it in effect will ask you to uh, upgrade to the new versions, but I think you can just, you know, not bypass them, but not ignore them. Um, skip them for now whilst you look at what, you know, what you can currently use it for. Because in effect, is that, you know, Microsoft are recommending that you enable all of the workload, protective workloads and that to secure your environment. But you, you may need to take that process of understanding what the problem is and how much cost is going to be on, on your environment. So, okay. And is that just free for Azure? What about AWS, GCP? And you talked about on-premise with Arc. Is that right? You know, is is are all the environments free for foundational? Yeah, you don't, you don't have to pay any more for them. So creating the connectors into the other clouds don't cost, doesn't cost you anything um, to be able to collect that data. Um, it is just the the uh, the Defender CSPM that is a, that is a cost to have the okay, extra. So you pay for the resources and Microsoft is going to give you a level of posture management with all of your resources free of charge. Yes. So you can, so like I said, you can use the Microsoft Cloud Security Benchmark for free. Yes, exactly. And that gives you an insight into those three um, regulatory compliances for free. And, and if it is pulling best practice from those three regulatory compliance frameworks and sort of, you know, amalgamating it into one thing, that's also pretty powerful by itself isn't it considering it's no extra charge yeah exactly it's just it, yeah like like we we're kind of saying if you need to do a you need you know if auditing for your other regulatory compliances um needs to see the report from you know just, uh, specifically for cis etc then that's when you need the the other what you know framework adding to those to those um subscriptions okay and that def- that framework that next level and excuse i suppose is defender cspm so that's where you get everything then um and how much does that cost so probably about three weeks ago three four weeks ago it was 15 dollars um per data per compute or data resource so that is a storage account sql virtual machine similar things in the other clouds kind of thing so it seemed quite expensive to run because you may have a hundred virtual machines just to do, you know, in effect, get that deep dive in CSPM. And that's, that's mainly around the agentless scanning of VMs and things like that, that other capability there, because you don't have to run an agent on a server and, um, it take compute away from your, you know, you may have a critical you know, compute sensitive resource that you now can't you know scan do scans on so it takes that away from it but as of like i said two or three weeks ago uh, microsoft dropped it down to five dollars per compute or data resource which i think is great i think it's more acceptable at least yeah and i suppose what you're really paying for there is those extra that extra intelligence that you've been, you talked about, you know, that the agentless scanning, um, there's attack path, stuff. attack path, but there's also the regulatory compliance angle as well for those extra frameworks and the governance as well as part yeah. of that uplift in Defender for CSPM. So you are getting, uh, I don't know, six or eight extra features there for 
a one-time extra $5 per month per resource. So I suppose this more stings for um, smaller environments, I would have thought, right? Because like if you've got a burstable VM instance that costs you $12 a month, then $5 a month relative to the cost of the resources going to be quite expensive. But on the other side of it, if you're an organization that requires regulatory compliance, chances are your workloads aren't even user like, utilizing those types of resources, right? You know, one would think that yeah. your consumption is quite heavy in Azure for your, your workloads. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of, yeah, you're right. And it, it might be also sting environments where there's a lot of compute and data as well if you've got a lot of other resources yeah if you if you've got lo you know a lot of logic apps for example and azure functions and web apps you know web apps then that's it's not based on that i don't think it's all based on compute and data resources so yeah and i suppose you've got to balance that of the human cost right of managing yeah. these things you know um and i suppose defender cspm's biggest competitor is foundational right because you do get a lot in foundational it's yeah. quite it's quite a generous uh free tier um but i suppose when you're talking about you know maybe because because realistically to get you know some virtual machines could be thousands of dollars slash pounds a month right so tacking on five dollars a month relatively it isn't too painful, but I suppose across a larger state that can that can build up. But then to to do this manually to map across regulatory compliance frameworks and search through all of your resources that that must take a lot of human cost um, to, to to make that happen. Yeah, and and I think kind of the key the key thing to think about is 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 really that agent that's scanning because in effect it's taking a snapshot of the disk. The VHD disk in effect in Azure and scanning it without the VM being touched, so there's no interaction with the with the the virtual machine as it's active. You know, reducing like I say, reducing compute and things like that. You may have to to run those those scans and things like that. You may have to increase your machines. I don't think it, you would need to, but that's a, that might be if it's if it's um, compute sensitive. Yeah, but you've got to deploy and manage that agent, haven't you? Right, you've got to update it when there's new versions. You've yeah, got to it could, test the could impact take, of it, you know. Yeah. I was just about right. to say, yeah, exactly. You don't know if it's going to cause disruption within your applications. Yeah, and I'm not scanning. saying that happens a lot, right? No. Because, you know, generally, you know, a, a lot of agents that are provided, you know, for tasks are really effective and they don't have any sort of impact but for very sensitive workloads like compute sensitive workloads or critical systems right that you don't want to let's say you have a highly critical you know system in your business um and it can't be touched maybe it's the vm that does the batch jobs for payments overnight or something like that i don't know random example but like it just has to work and nobody goes near it unless like there's something really going on with it, you know, um, trying to discover what's potentially 
you know the the, the misconfigurations on that machine can be a hard risk to overcome and to to to, to battle against well and the other thing is you're changing that environment so you may have to go through your change process to be able to deploy the agent things like that as well and like you said you might it might be that when you're patching it you can't it can't be on auto patch you can't keep up to date maybe you can only do it once every three months to you know keep it up to date yeah and then i suppose you've got the cloud security team right if your organization is large enough to have one of those whose sole responsibility is like the posture management of their cloud environments then they have to keep going back to those teams to get patched and to go through that process so in, in some respects the busy work of that and the risk might end up costing a lot more money than five dollar a month agent the scanning that nobody except for finance have to has to worry about if yes, that makes exactly sense. yeah so um yeah no i can definitely see that 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 benefit for sure yeah and i don't think there's a lot within here that is there's nothing it is it's a a um it's a enhancement to looking at all that information here it's not there's nobody really wants the job of going through all these resources and doing all of that. It's not something that is, you know, right, okay, we've got CSPM, so now we can get rid of X team kind of thing, is it, at all? It's more around this is the mundane sort of tasks of getting that data, doing that analysis for you, for you to have the results, then make decisions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. So, Alan, any other parts of cspm that you don't think we've covered um that you want to call out no i think we've covered quite a lot even though there's still probably quite a lot to cover still <laughs> <laughs> um probably one thing to probably mention is that um in season two um episode eight we did a securing multi-cloud environments with Microsoft Defense cloud so it's probably looking more around the um the protective workloads um but I'm thinking that was quite some. That was probably last year, about the same time as now. I think. So I apologise for the production changed. quality of um, season two. <laughs> if you go back to that, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, might give yes. you a bit more context of yeah what Defender for Cloud was like back then. Yes. So Sam, what's uh, episode five? Okay, so episode five. Um, I- I'm I'm going to be on that one, and I'm going to be talking around Azure Confidential Ledger. Um, and I know a lot of people might not like the word blockchain, um, but confidential ledger is a blockchain technology, um, uh, hosted by Microsoft, uh, in Azure. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain what it is at the, the, the value and the features that it gives and try to give some real world scenarios that you can apply blockchain technologies inside your business. Um, so hopefully no fluff and blockchain buzzwords um but um i think it's a really innovative product and it's got some real um good applicable use cases okay great i I look forward to that episode i think cool okay so did you enjoy this episode if so please do consider leaving us a review on apple or spotify this really helps us reach more people like you Um, If you have any specific feedback or suggestions, we have a link in our show notes to get in contact with us. 
yeah and if you've made it this far thank you very much everyone catch you on the next one cheers thanks alan thanks bye